0: You can avoid these landmines. It's a buy versus build conversation. Conversation. What's the root cause of that mistake? Very moved by your story. Dive all in on the next chapter of your life. Welcome to The Boutique with Collective 54, a podcast for founders and leaders of boutique professional services firms. Our goal with this show is to help you grow, scale and exit your firm bigger and faster. I'm Sean McGinnis, Collective 54 advisory board member and your host. On this episode, I will make the case that yield is the ultimate measure of productivity. I'll try to prove this theory by interviewing Aaron Levenstadt, founder and CEO of Pedestal Search. Pedestal is a marketing technology company and data-driven search engine marketing platform founded by former Google employees. Pedestal creates systems and processes to help businesses better leverage internet search engines as a growth channel. You can find Aaron and his business on pedestalsearch.com. Aaron, great to see you and welcome.
1: Thanks, Sean. It's good to be sharing this conversation with you.
0: Likewise, it's great to have you. So today we're going to discuss one of the most often looked at metrics in all of professional services, yield. A reminder to our audience is that the definition of yield is simply the average fee per hour times the average utilization rate of the team. For instance, if a boutique's average fee per hour is $400 and the average utilization rate is 75%, then the yield is $300 per hour. Erin, let's start with an overview. Can you briefly share with the audience an example of how you think about and manage yield?
1: Yeah, certainly. So we keep track of yield, but we don't obsess over it. And by keep track, I mean we look at utilization for our team members individually, as a collective, as a company, Yes. and also on a per-account basis. We think of yield attributed to an account. Um, And although we know that it absolutely should be the most looked-at metric, I know I started off on this piece, we don't obsess over it. Uh, Rather, we focus on and we think a lot about how to source technology and actions from our team members that are value drivers for our clients so that yield becomes less of a focal point. And we've found that over time, focusing too much on yield can lead to some inherent uh, scalability caps. On the other hand, if we can shift our focus to where we can open up value that can allow us to create a significant gap between sort of each ounce of utilization yes. and each iota value created.
0: Outstanding. I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me. So what I'd like to do is get your thoughts on some of the best practices that we recommend in this area. So there are four specific things I'll walk you through and then have you share your thoughts on each. So the first one is the typical boutique runs off an assumption of a forty hour work week, a forty-eight week year. That equates to nineteen hundred and seventy-two hours per employee. And using our earlier example, at three hundred dollars per hour, the boutique will do five hundred and seventy six thousand in revenue per employee. A one hundred person firm, let's say with this yield We'll do 57.6 million in annual revenue. So understanding yield means you understand how much you can scale to. It establishes a ceiling. What are your thoughts on this concept, Aaron?
1: Yeah, so that exactly where we last left off on the ceiling point. So the way that we think about it is um, instead of sort of focusing on the ceiling, which is uh, defined exactly by the yield equation, if you think about it from that perspective. Yes. We think about it instead as deploying program stacks mm. as opposed to hours or manpower mm. that generate value. Okay. That's tech driven by uh, great people. And yes. in that way, yield becomes um, less of a focus, and we shift the focus to how to drive value uh, throughout our engagements.
0: I like that. So deploy, program, stack and shift to the value rather than exclusively focus on yield. Have I got that right? That's
1: exactly right, Sean.
0: Excellent. So the second one is we contend that most firms, when they try to scale, they've reached a point of sort of diminishing returns on utilization rates. And we feel this way because there's only so much juice to squeeze out of the 40-hour work week and the 48-week year. What's your opinion on this?
1: So I think I think you know you're exactly right in how you know, how we're thinking about this because the economics and the way that we think about it is that the economics around what we do and the way that we're working with the client they have to work for the client uh, most importantly and they also have to work within our our rubric and if we think about it that way that can allow for scalability. Yes. Um, in a different way than thinking about yield uh, on the you know, hours and then and then uh, person equation. So there's that, you know, there's that parable of the chemist that gets called into the factory, right, and the factory's sprung a leak. Yes. And the chemist walks in and he looks around, he's taking a look at the machines, and he scratches his chin and he thinks, you know, he sees where the leak is coming from, he sees it, he identifies the problem, he quickly creates a chemical compound using his knowledge to patch the leak and the factory is able to resume production. And then the factory owner calls the chemist you know, sometime later and he says, hey, I got your invoice here. It's for $30,000, but you were only here for 10 minutes. And the chemist replies, yeah, that's right. It's $10 for my time and $29,990 for knowing how to fix your problem in 10 minutes. Beautiful. We try to apply that same philosophy.
0: I mean, that really hits the nail on the head. I mean, and you know, how how have you learned that lesson? I mean, you know, that's a great parable. You know, give me give me a practical um, example of how you've done it.
1: Yeah, we've learned this lesson the hard way. So, like you know, I think like how a lot of us, maybe all of us, learn um, through experiencing pain right? yes. and some, a lot of it. And. Early on uh, in the life of our business, we accepted some engagements where clients asked to bill by the hour, and, and we um, we took those on at those early stages of our company. Um, you know, from a financial perspective, they weren't they weren't great. <laughs> they were not great, but they also, more importantly, I think were not great from an internal morale perspective yes. because the conversations with our clients shifted to. You know, our teams were talking to cl- our team members were talking to clients about. You know, why 16.3 minutes was spent on that and yeah. an hour and 12 minutes was spent on this. And um, they just, they weren't productive, fulfilling conversations uh, yep. for our members. So, um, you know, endured some pain, learned the hard way, and we don't do that anymore.
0: And to your point earlier, when you focus on value, you know, when you've created this um you know, and deployed this program stack. You don't have to get into that nickel and diming conversation, which is soul sucking. I agree with you. It's it's just not productive. So let's turn to uh, fees. The key to scaling in this context is to figure out how to become more valuable, which is what you've said. And remember, this is an equation with only two variables, utilization rate dollars per hour. So. Owners of boutiques have a lot more juice to squeeze out of the dollar per hour, and in your case, maybe the, the, the value, the dollar value per stack, and then impacting the dollar per hour variable, it's just not as easy as raising prices. Clients will pay more for boutiques that bring more value to them, and this is because they turn to boutiques for specialization. What do you think about this?
1: I think it resonates very well with our experience um, in the sense that and and it resonates so much that today what we do when we're first meeting with a client, when we're first starting that conversation before we're engaged and working with them, we try to have this conversation openly and candidly at the outset. So very early on in speaking to a potential client, we will communicate that we're, we're a specialist, we're not a generalist and we're going to, the way that we think about our engagements is, is really by how much value we can drive.
0: Yes, yes. Excellent. Yeah. And then, you know, I guess there's a lot of things that come into that in terms of variability, um, you know, and it's really working to change sometimes the client perspective, Right
1: yeah you want to you want to change the client perspective You want to do it um like early on in these conversations so you know we'll we'll say things in these conversations you know like what we do is we help you generate more productive traffic from search yes but as importantly we'll also say what we don't do right and we'll say things like we don't make pizza
0: we don't shoot TikTok, <laughs> right? Yeah, your expertise is search, and and by the way, with the resume of, of you and your team, I mean that would appear to be you know a no brainer. But reminding them of that speciality is key to creating the kind of value that will drive the fees and drive the recognition, and and obviously get you more business. So I get that. That's really great. So the fourth um, aspect in our experience we see five forms of specialization that translate to higher fees, and they are industry specialization, function, segment, problem, and geography. And in our view, if you've got at least three of those, you truly are a specialized firm. So in your case, where are your areas of speciality?
1: Yeah. So this is an area that we give a lot of thought to. Uh, it's an area that we're continuing to refine as our business evolves uh, and grows. Um, there's the three that I think that stand out sort of top of mind, line would be the function, the problem, and the segment. Got so it. function, having worked at Google and worked on the search engine algorithm itself, we really understand that world, and, and that's the functionality that we want to be operating on. It's what we specialize in. Yes. Uh, the problem I mean, kind of stemming from that so the second prong problem, um, really about how to unlock search discoverability. And, you know, and we'll say things, or you know, in our conversations with clients, we don't. We're not here to help you solve fifty different kinds of problems. We we are going to help you solve the problem that we specialize in and that we know how to how to how to solve for. Yes. Um, and then the third one on our world is is segment, and um, the way that we think about segment. Is really in terms of a profile, um, psychological to a certain degree, uh, in the sense that our potential client, our partner, needs to know what they're looking for and know that they have had some success with search and they really want to invest in building uh, and bringing systems and processes to drive that search engine optimization motion more meaningfully.
0: Outstanding. And that's, again, for our listeners, you know. Take this from, from Aaron, when building your your firm and thinking about your specialization, be really clear, like Aaron is, in terms of what the, what your service can offer the specific problem and don't try and be all things to all people, I think is the ultimate lesson. Would you agree, Aaron?
1: Yeah, 100%, 100%. even um, going back to a little bit about what we were talking on earlier, is um, we'll remind the client when we're talking to them both before we work with them and while we're working with them. yes there are lots of things that we are not good at and if you ask us to do those things we're going to say no yes. we will fail you with those things And i think by reminding the client of that it, it reaffirms the fact that we're not a generalist we're not just going to do anything that the client's willing to pay us for yes we're a specialist and that's what we're here to help them with
0: that, that's such a key point. And I'm I'm assuming that during the course of your journey, you found that it, it at some point it was difficult to say no to a client coming you for to for business, right? So scoping is important and really having the professional integrity to say no is key. What do you think about that?
1: I cannot agree more. Um, also learned through injury and pain. Right? You know, <laughs> injury and pain.
0: Uh, exactly. how we learn. That's right? how it's we helpful. learn. Yeah. So,
1: uh, yeah, we've uh, taken on some work that, you know, uh, early on that we, we, we should not have. We diverged from our lane of expertise from, you know, the thing that we've done hundreds of times and su- doing successfully. And, and now we're more careful about that.
0: Outstanding. Aaron, this is so helpful. Um, thank you so much for spending time with us today. I've learned, you know, several additional aspects to the importance of managing yield. I like the way you presented your business in terms of the technology and the value aspect. So this takes us to the end of this episode. And as is customary, we end each show with a tool. We do so because this allows a listener to apply the lessons to his or her firm. Our preferred tool is a checklist and our style of checklist is a yes, no questionnaire. We aim to keep it simple by asking only 10 questions. And in this instance, If you answer yes to eight or more of these questions, you're running a tight ship with excellent yield. If you said no too many times, you have a yield problem, and this will be an impediment to scaling. Given the proprietary nature of Aaron's business, I'm not going to put Aaron on the spot with these, but I am going to read out the questions for the benefit of our listeners. So the first one is, are your average utilization rates above 85%? Number two, senior staff above 70%. Number three, mid-level staff above 80%. Number four, junior staff above 90%. Number five, are your average fees above $400 per hour? Number six, are your senior staff above $750 per hour? Number seven, mid-level staff above 500 Number eight, junior staff above 250. Number nine, are you assuming a 48 week year and 40 hours per week? And number 10, are you distinguished from the generalist with three to five forms of specialization? So in summary, yield is the ultimate measure of productivity for professional services firms. Watch out for the trap of over-rotating to utilization rates and under-indexing the second variable in the equation, which is dollars per hour. Drive up your fees, like Aaron, by becoming more valuable to your clients by becoming hyper-specialized. If you do so, the sky is the limit on your scale potential. Aaron, a huge thank you for sharing your wisdom with us today. It's a pleasure having you. If you enjoyed this show and want to learn more, pick up a copy of the book, The Boutique, How to Start, Scale and Sell a Professional Services Firm, written by Collective 54 founder, Greg Alexander. And for more expert support, check out Collective 54, the first expert community for founders and leaders of boutique professional services firms. Collective 54 will help you grow, scale, and exit your firm bigger and faster. Go to collective54.com to learn more. Thank you for listening.